0: Welcome back, Nate, to uh, this. We had a good time last week and some interesting uh, conversations that not only we had, but we had with the the people uh, live as well. And we're looking forward to the same thing here today. Just want to remind you that we are going to take some live calls on a Zoom call at the conclusion of this message. So if you want to go ahead and text in some questions right now to 717-461-3288. Again, that's 717-461-3288. Uh, We will do that Zoom call, and whatever questions are going to be coming in, we're going to try to answer some of them live, right there in the moment. Uh, Today, though, we had another question that had originally come in, and the question was simply this: Why would God allow suffering? And specifically, the person said, "Is if God is all powerful, and there's this thing, you know, COVID nineteen that's going on with a a virus, why wouldn't God just stop that right now?" So um, I'm going to go ahead and. uh, Head on out, and I'm gonna. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Just, you know, it, it does. I get that everybody's sort of stressed and frustrated right now, but you know, we're this is the second week where we're dealing with you know some really intense topics. Right. So, right. I, I mean, on the serious side, you can definitely understand why why people are dwelling on these questions and, and wrestling with these questions. On the on the, the not so serious side, it's kind of like, wow, we really need to do something to encourage people because if we're dwelling on death right. and suffering right. and sin uh, we need to, we need to really be thinking about, uh, some, some happier things. So, um, if you are somebody who needs that encouragement, uh, then, and I say this very seriously. I, I mean, I know I'm making a tongue in cheek comment, but I say this very seriously. If you are in that place where these thoughts are spinning and cycling and you're trapped in that cycle, you need to get help. You need to connect with someone. Okay. You need to be having somebody speaking into your life Uh, Or you need to just ask for help. Do not allow yourself to be in a place where those thoughts consume you uh, and the fear overwhelms you to the point where uh, you're not having somebody speak life into you. Because even in the midst of tragedy and trial, there is a need for us to not just see the silver lining in a denial sort of way, but to actually find the humorous moment, to find the hope, to find the joy in the midst of suffering. It's essential. Uh, and it is a, a mark of good mental health for us to to do that. And we need each other to help keep ourselves in, in that 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 place of good mental health, as well as we need, especially need the Lord. So, you know, at the very least, be praying and be letting God speak into that, but but definitely be reaching out to others.
0: And I had just done a series right before this one on emotions and, and how that all plays out. So if you didn't get to catch that, I'd encourage you to get online, either our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, and you can watch that on emotions because there is just so much that's going on i mean truth be told i'm i i scale as an extrovert um on like the various tests and things but i'm I'm just very barely on the other side of extrovert so there's a lot of me that loves just being introverted and saying Mm -hmm. it but even at this point i'm like oh come on you know and and just even seeing seeing you you know here once a week uh, like this, and being able to have a little bit of interaction with someone other than my wife, and I love my wife. We're getting a ready human. to, <laughs> yeah, we're getting ready to celebrate our 25th anniversary. And that's I, I, uh, I love her, but it is just we need that connection, and it is uh, just a, a real uh, a time right now. So uh, let's talk about this a little bit. And by the way, again, I'm Gilbert. I'm the lead pastor here at Exponential. This is uh, Nate Buck. He's one of our teaching pastors. Uh, but let, let's talk about. Why? Why does God uh, allow suffering? Why? Why? I mean, He is all powerful. You and I would say that yeah. He could just wipe it all out. But why? Why doesn't He? You want to take well, a shot at that I think first? The
1: first thing? There's there's two two really specific things I think we have to wrestle with first when we ask the question of suffering. You know, first of all, just because somebody somebody's suffering doesn't mean they sin. You know, it, it, it may have somebody may be going through consequences for their choices, and that that's a reality. But just because somebody's suffering. That doesn't mean that they've sinned. I mean, you have that uh, famous encounter where they come to Jesus and you say, why was this boy born blind? Who sinned? Right. And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> it's oh. nothing to do with it. Right. So I, I think that's one thing we need to call out when we start talking about suffering and sin. Uh, the other thing is um, I, the, the idea that we are owed not to suffer I think, is something that's very enculturated in America and very enculturated in the West in particular, this idea, this prosperity idea where we're owed something. Uh, And, and, you know, the other word for that is entitlement, uh, that that we just because we exist, that something is owed to us. That's a very Western way of thinking. And that's, that's not actually not captured in scripture anywhere. Um, and I think there's a reason for that. Like when you look at the core of entitlement, you look at the core of the idea that I'm owed something, that says, God, you made me, you owe me stuff. And now when things don't go the way that I expected, um, now I'm a victim. And now you owe me more because now I've been victimized by you. And it, it actually is a very, well, this is an old word, but pernicious. Like it's this very, it's this very, um, sharp way of getting in under the the, the 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 roots of the relationship they're just cutting mm-hmm. and saying you know you owe me when in reality I, I don't think they had that that mentality in the early church it was the idea that the the very life we have the breath we have is a gift right right so yeah and
0: if you read through you know acts and, and the, the founding of the, the the church they're actually like almost inviting suffering into their yeah. lives. Yeah. They, they wanted to suffer for Jesus. And so, you know, the, back to this whole thing, and and you, you touched on it at the very beginning there. Uh, a lot of Christians, I think, have taken some other religions uh, type yeah. of thinking in this and brought it That's in, uh, which would be, you know, commonly called karma. Yeah. That, you know, and, and there is the sense that, so scripture does say that we'll reap what we sow. And mm-hmm. so that that is there. But this whole idea that it's a, a perfect one-for-one one transaction of one good thing is going to lead to one good thing, or one bad thing is going to lead right. to to something else—that's just not how uh, Scripture sees it. And uh, I've always thought, you know, with with Jesus, with that, if karma was a real thing, then how do you explain Jesus? Right. Because yeah. here's somebody who lived a yeah. perfect and sinless yeah. life, and but yet who <laughs> suffered the most yeah. out of anybody ever—it's Jesus. So. And what did he come back
1: as? You know, after that. <laughs> okay, <good laughs> <Right. good. laughs>
0: Yeah, it's right. Um, so I, I think that that's one thing that we need to be careful that we yeah. don't uh, bring some of those other uh, religions and, and thoughts into yeah. into our Christianity.
1: Yeah, the idea of reincarnation was um, I mean, it was, I don't want to say it was far into the only church because I'm sure it was circulating, you know, in ancient times as well. But just the idea that suffering was something to be avoided. Um, I think our human nature, we don't want pain. We don't like pain. We avoid pain. I think that's a given. Um, you know, and danger, danger is real, but fear is a choice. And that, that idea that I'm going to avoid suffering because somehow I'm owed never to suffer mm-hmm. that that's a very, that's a very twisted, um, way of looking at God's love and provision for us. Cause when you look at the early church, the early church, uh, like Romans five, I think of that Paul says, rejoice in your suffering because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character mm-hmm. produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint because hope points us to the love of God that fulfills us and empowers us through the Holy Spirit. So you look at that progression, it's like, whoa. So it's okay to suffer because when we suffer, there's perseverance that we learn in the midst of that suffering, which forms our character, which gives us an understanding that God is in the midst of and working through that suffering, which gives us hope to find out what's on the other side. Right. I mean, we, we did this the other night with our kids. We were talking about um, why why does God suffer. It was during our Bible time, and it was it was really interesting because my oldest she said, "Well, why wouldn't we?" <laughs> and that was like, "Okay, that's a good question," yeah. you know. And and it was really interesting for somebody who is Gen Z, you know, to not be looking at this as the well, you know, why should we ever suffer? Like we're we should never suffer. But to say, well, why wouldn't we suffer? Like it doesn't make sense. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about like um, you know astronauts. When they're in space and what happens to the body when there's no resistance, when there's no struggle, when there's no trial, everything atrophies. I mean, to the point where they could actually die because their organs won't function anymore. And it was just such a simple conversation. But I thought, wow, that's so powerful. We come at it with this assumption in the West that we are, owed, you know, that we, we should never suffer. And yet, the early church had a very—they just—they understood it. Life right. and, is hard. Yeah, and back to what
0: you were saying. So Paul says, consider it pure joy. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. And as
0: he goes through, and you—you you already mentioned those. I'm the list not real that, good at
1: doing that. I just have to. Say right. That, right, right.
0: <laughs> uh, but he, he goes through that list, and at, at the end of all the the character qualities, he says, "Then you'll be mature and complete, yeah. not lacking yeah. anything." Yeah. And I think all of us—that's what we would want to say—is that I'm mature and I'm complete in my yeah. faith, and I'm not lacking for anything. But Paul says, to get there there's this there's this progression you got to go through and suffering is going to be a, a, a part of it. And I, I love, you know, the the way you just said it as far as the, you know, with the astronauts and stuff when there's no resistance. And I've often used the illustration. Many of you have heard me talk about it. In fact, I used it in my last series of weightlifting. That what yeah. makes weightlifting powerful is pushing against the resistance that yeah. the weight is, is offering. And that's what builds up uh, muscle force. So we've got to learn to embrace suffering. But again, the question is, why is there suffering? Why is there even, you know, uh, suffering in, in the world? Uh, so let, let's talk about that a little bit of where, where, did, where did pain and suffering and how did that even originate?
1: Yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, you, you know, you go back to the garden, everything was made perfect. And actually, this, part, this came up in our discussion with the kids. Um, you, know, you go all the way back to the garden, and there was a choice to live in perfection there was a choice to live in the the perfect relationship with god in the garden where there was going to be eternal life and so on but i mean and this is not an invasion of the question it really isn't i think that whole question turns on the issue of relationship um that that we again we're owed nothing we are owed nothing god gave us everything god gave us life well so now they,
0: we are owed one thing hell
1: well oh, yeah that, that's but, that's but that that came after
0: but literally that's the only thing that we're owed.
1: Right. Yeah. As a result of what happened in the garden. Right. But initially in the garden, we're still owed nothing. Even Adam and Eve, when they before the fall, they were owed nothing. That's they, true. They, it was right. a gift. Right. Even Eve to Adam was a gift. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't any, there was they had no right to go to God and say, You made us feed us. You made us, you know, that there, there are aspects of relationship and care that God was naturally going to do, but he owed them nothing. He had given them everything that they needed. And the fall was a choice. Um, and, and I think you, you really can't have true relationship with someone without the choice not to. Right. You can't really love someone freely without the choice yeah. not to love them.
0: I, so I always uh, think about that. My sister, when I was growing up, we had this, uh, or she had, a, I shouldn't say we had, I was about to confess to having a baby doll. <laughs> <laughs> she had a baby doll. It's called My Baby Beans. Well, these are modern. Not right. right? So, so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was this beanbag doll, and it had a little plastic head on the top, and it had one of those pull strings on the back, and it had this little voice recorder in it, right? So you pull the, the pull string, and the baby doll would go, I love you, I love you, I love you. The question is, did that baby doll, <laughs> well, that's it, right? <laughs> but the question is, did that baby doll actually love my sister? And the answer is, no, it was programmed to say that. And so I love what you're where you're going with that is, in order to have true relationship, there always has to be the choice of not just to love, but to hate, yeah. to serve or to yeah. not serve, to obey or not to obey. So that's free will, yeah. right? So, yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted. No, no, it's yeah. perfect
1: because when you when you go down that path then you say, okay, in order to have true relationship and true love, I have to have the choice not to. If I choose not to, there's consequence for that. Right. And so that is when the brokenness of creation happened. Right. And that is where, um, you know, we, we would say suffering. I think challenge and trial was still present in the garden because they could work. Sure. You know, they could work the ground. They could, you know, there was still going to be labor. There still was going to be resistance, but it didn't have that sharp edge of destruction right. with it. And it's after the fall that that comes in. So, you know, I can tell you from this fall, and I shared this in the, the, the series we did this fall. About um, you know when I when I injured my hand when mm-hmm. I was creating the the base for the new uh, the the shed where I do my my pottery um, injured my hand and it triggered shingles a massive case of shingles and I you know for two months I was in severe nerve pain um, and couldn't function mm-hmm. um, and that that I have to say is probably the closest I've ever come to understanding those who have fibromyalgia and who are constant pain mm-hmm. that's the closest I would say in my life that I you know, physically suffered right. something. And it, it was absolutely miserable. But going into it, God warned me going into it. And I didn't realize it until I was in it. Um, but but there was, because I was listening, because I was in a place of relationship, that I understood that I was going to go through this and there was going to be something that he brought out. Of it. And indeed, I, you know, without unpacking it all right now, there are things that God is still maturing and blossoming in my life. That, that we had to go to that place. I had to go to that place right. in order to begin to wrestle through things that maybe I wasn't even paying attention to that were off in my relationship with him. So I think that's the root of it because when you say there's suffering, yes, we can look at it and we can say, okay, brokenness of relationship led to the sin and the brokenness of the world. And so as a result of that, we see the chaos. We see all of the things that are not, uh, that are not, that are not good in our world. And we suffer the consequences of that. We really do. Um, but that doesn't mean that suffering itself doesn't have value. Right. And that God isn't redeeming that suffering on a cost. Because that's really his heart. His heart from the very beginning has been, okay, this is going to happen. And I think the early church picked this up. You know, This is going to happen. But in the midst of it, you have the confidence. You have the hope. that God will use it. Right. God will find a way to mature you through it. And I think that's where, you know, the whole Romans 5 thing comes. Right. And, it, and
0: it, the sin and the suffering, it's not that it's his plan. It's right. that he can take it and redeem right. in the, in the yep. midst of the hurt. And what's hard for us is often to, in the midst of the pain, mm. in the midst of the suffering, to embrace it to the point of, okay, I'm going to look back on this yep. and good is going to come out of it. You know, The best thing that ever happened to me in my life was when I was 12 years old. I had a very uh, traumatic Football injury—it yep. shattered my femur bone. I was yep. in the hospital for a month. I was in a full body cast for a couple of months after that. But now that I look back, of what did that do? And in the mess of it was painful. And it was yep. difficult. I didn't want to be there. But as I look back now, in hindsight, oh my goodness, the the dominoes then that that put into place to be where I'm at today. My life, we wouldn't be having this conversation yep. Yep. had I not had that football injury yep. uh, back in 1985. So that that's one of the things is just keeping that that perspective in the midst of, of suffering, in the midst of a, a quarantine or any other types of uh, suffering
1: that you have. But doesn't it turn on the, the emphasis in the question? I mean, because whenever we're suffering individually, we ask a question, why, why have you done this to me? Right. But doesn't, doesn't the heart of what we're approaching that situation come through and how we emphasize? There's a difference between, why have you done this to me, right. in, which is accusing, sure. you have done this to me, and the other the other way of emphasizing it is, why have you done this to me? Or why have, and you know, if, if your theology doesn't allow you to think of the idea that God could bring suffering, then why have you allowed this to happen for me? In my case, with, with the shingles, I, I do believe God brought it. And I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I really am okay with that. It's It's uncomfortable. It's not how I would, ar- I, I don't think I had to wrestle with that before, but the reality is I went into it saying, why have you done this to me? Mm-hmm. Not why have you done this to me? Right. And, and it allowed me to go through it going, ah, you know, and, and if we can have that mentality going into it, I think we capture a bit of what Romans 5 is saying is that we go into suffering with, with this rejoicing that we're going to come through. We're going to have, we're going to learn something in the midst of it. It's going to produce character in the midst of it. And out of that character, we see greater hope that God's still at work. His hand is still redeeming the things that are broken. And there's going to be something in the future that he's used this to prepare us for. Yeah,
0: and you guys have heard me. You've heard me say this in the past. I love Genesis uh, chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph has been just made to suffer (laughs) in so many ways in his life, from being sold into slavery to being in prison to accused of rape to, you know, various things that are going on. And it gets us one place where now his dad has died and his brothers are like, oh man, he is going to bring retaliation on us now for everything. And he's, he's risen yep. himself now yep. to the second most powerful man in Egypt. And they think, oh, he's going to you know do this. And he says, what Satan is meant for evil, God has used for good, yeah. the saving of many lives. And so uh, a lot of it has to do with our attitude in the midst of suffering of how do we respond to it? And, and I know I've shared this as, as well. I mean, my former boss, Rick Warren, he loved to say, are you going to become bitter or become better? better. And that's our choice. Yep. You know, how am I going to respond to the, the situation? So again, it's not that God wanted suffering ever to be a part of human existence. It was because of Adam and mm-hmm. Eve's poor choice. And, you know, the thing is, people are like, ah, oh, blame it all on Adam and Eve. It's like, yeah, like you would have yeah, like You would have done the same Right? right? Yeah. yeah, we would have ended, yeah. ended up doing the same thing. Maybe not in the same timing or the same way, but at some point That's we would have uh rebelled and, and sinned against God. And so... You know,
1: Joseph is one of those people that, by the way, you know, of course you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee with Jesus. Right. but But, you know, Joseph is one of those people I'd love to sit down and be like, uh, yeah. dude, like, okay... What was it like? All of those, because you know he had to have, there were many nights that he went to bed in anguish. Sure. Maybe in tears. Uh, and then even after he was raised up to be the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, there still had to be nights of anguish right. uh, because he sees the famine coming and, coming and everything. And he still has this thing of what do I do with my family? I mean, he's just such a powerful, he's, he's definitely one of those people that I'd love mm-hmm. to be like, hey, dude, just tell me, like, right. I want to hear it from your perspective. What was that like? Right, right. Yeah. So, and I
0: love what you just said there, that there were so those nights he was in anguish. So in the midst of it, it it's it's not that we're like, oh, this is painful, but
1: yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah.
0: it, you are going to have those down times, but that's why community is so important as yeah, well, that true. you have those people. And, and Solomon you know, talked about that, The two are better than one because they have a good return for the work. If yep. one falls down, his brother is there to help yep. him up, but pity the man who falls and has really no cheap. one there to help him yeah. up. So I need you, you need me. Uh, not just from a gifting standpoint, yeah. but just from a human, Community, yeah. a human standpoint yeah. as well. So, um, let let's again talk a, a little bit because it is sin that, that brought suffering into the world. And let's uh, as we as we start to wrap up here today, let, let's just talk about that uh, a little bit. Um, so, you, you talked about that it was you know uh, this disassociation with God and, 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 breaking, uh, fellowship, but how should we respond then to sin? Cause we had some questions about that too. Yeah, we did. We had some uh,
1: questions about what is sin, um, right. you know, is, is mental illness sinful? Is suicide sinful? I mean, so. Right.
0: What, what if, uh, what if, uh, somebody is, uh, a Christian, but they continue. Right, and right. They're sin- yeah, yeah, they, they go things. into they sin, go, to, you, you know, know. They,
1: are they going to go to heaven? So I think the first thing is we have to define what is sin, you know, and, and there's the, the understanding that sin is working opposite of god's design and so we can say that it's god's design as far as his big plan and the kingdom we can also say it's his design for us and how he's wired us how he's made us so paul makes that really clear in romans one and two uh, especially when you dig into the language uh, a little bit and you see what he's doing with the language he's making that very very clear we actually talked through that in the design series yeah you did that yeah. a couple years ago. yeah when we did the video and i was doing the pottery on stage i, I go into that a little bit there so I don't want to necessarily rehash that. Um, you can feel free to go back and, and watch that series. Um, yeah, by
0: the way, with that, so go to our website, exponential.church. There's a whole section there of listening and watching online. And in there, you can sort by speaker. So Nate actually did that whole design series himself. So if you just sort by his name, Nate Buck, or actually it says as Nathan Buck there, uh, you'll be able to find the uh, design uh, series there. So. I know you like the uh, the formal Nathan <laughs> in uh, in the official <laughs> writings of <laughs> exponential. It's only, that's the only it's only time because, I ever called you Nathan.
1: I know it's only because like, it's I don't know why it's such a funny thing because my voice even lends towards more of country. But it's just that when you say Knight Buck, you know, just it kind uh, of you, you know there there versus you go. Nathan Buck, you know, just it just reads different in my head for some reason. So like <laughs> if that's if that's my one personal like public quirk, there you go. So All be right. it. Um, but anyways. <laughs> So, the, you know, so we talk in Romans 1 and 2, you know, what is sin? And, and Paul really defines that as working against God's design, whether it's his whole design or individually. But then um, when you come to Romans 6, you have Paul talking about the wages of sin is death. You know, so the so the outcome of living a sinful life or committing to sin or perpetuating in a life of sin. Um, you know, which when you and I were talking offline, that was one of the things you were talking about. Your intention, you know, this intentional uh, persistence in sin. Uh, that that leads to death but it's really curious to me that in first john five uh, john puts uh, this idea of a sin that doesn't lead to death you know he sort of opens the discussion about um you know go way back in my catholic roots venial sin versus mortal sin which is a fancy what? way of saying <laughs> know, a fancy way of saying like sins that will cause you to die that's a mortal sin versus a venial sin which is you know, I, I guess they, if I remember correctly, uh, it was like the little white lie or, you know, something that doesn't, you don't see the automatic connection to this being destructive. But in first John, it's really interesting. He says, um, if your brother is uh, committing a sin that does not lead to death, pray for him, and God will give you life or will give him life as a result of your prayer because the sin does not lead to death. I thought it was really interesting because, John goes on to say that there is a sin that leads to death, um, which I want to t- I want to toss that to you because I think you have a really good way of explaining that. Um, but the 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 um, it was really struck me that all sin eventually can lead to death. But even the sins that don't immediately lead to death, or sins that are not immediately connected to death, even John in that moment says it diminishes life, and that we need to intercede for our brothers and sisters who are committing sins that may not lead to death because they need life. That, that By doing this sin, by do it, working against their design, they're actually diminishing their life, uh, which sort of goes back to what we talked about last week, that was, what's heaven, you know, that we're going to be living in the fullness of our design, the fullness of that creativity. I think that, that's a piece of what John's picking up on here, that when we are living in uh, an attitude of sin or just doing what we know we shouldn't do, um, it diminishes our life. It diminishes right. everything about us. But, you know, the, the sin that leads to death. I mean, you, you have a good way of explaining that. What's, how would you say that, the difference?
0: So sin is anytime, my definition is anytime we say, God, I know what you want, but but yeah. I'm going to do what I want to do, right? And Jesus, at one point, he likens that there's the difference between the sheep which are the, the Christians, the, the saved, and yeah. then the goats, those yeah. that'll uh, be cast cast aside and stuff. And so if you think about the difference in those, uh, the animals, what does the goat always want to do? <laughs> but, 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 but. but, but. but. And, and that's our attitude with sin is, I know God, but yeah. I'm going to do this. I know God, but I know better than you mm-hmm. do. I, yeah. I know God, but my flesh is crying out for this, and and I, I don't think that you can fulfill this need I or don't have or, a choice.
1: Right, right, right. <laughs> um now which is really a dangerous place when you think about it. when somebody says i i didn't have a choice right you go wait a minute right. you're, you're telling me you had no choice but to go and do what you desired that that i think that's a real symptom of right. what you're saying right
0: yeah so it's it's this thing of us saying that i know better than god and i love how somebody <laughs> once described sin they said just spell the word. It's S-I-N, in, right? You know, <laughs> I is always it, in the middle. It's, I is right there in the middle. And <laughs> and that's what sin is that I am in yeah. the in the middle. And you're not the center of the universe. God. God is the center of the universe. And everything needs to revolve around him. Uh but and that's not to say that we're perfect as followers or as, as pastors, e- even even after our profession yeah. of faith, yeah. uh, we, we still mess up. And I think that's back to your your thing in, in John 5, that there's a sin that leads to death and those things that, that don't lead to death, mm-hmm. um, that all of us still mess up. Oh, um, e- even in the midst of this conversation that we're having, there could have been something that you and I said or thought sure. or whatever. At least one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that actually may not be right it could have been uh, wrong or, or our attitude or our, our motivation for uh, you
1: know think could be wrong but well just that we're not aware i mean and that's kind of right, where so I'm, we're unaware like the, right? the final piece of, of, of sin and trying to answer these questions because these questions can be overly specific or overly broad and, and what we're trying to do is we're trying to we're trying to answer these questions with as many of the, the, the nails in the wall, to use that expression, that you can hang, you know, that the, these are the bits of truth, and this is what you can hang your your, your thoughts, your decisions on. But the, you know, the final one I was thinking of is, is with Paul. So Saul, before he becomes Paul, uh, Saul is the Pharisee of Pharisees, and without unpacking a whole lot of history, I was listening to uh, Ray Vanderlyn uh, recently and talking about this journey to Damascus. And uh, that, that Saul was a student of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel, if you if you go back and you look at what his role in the New Testament was, at least what we have recorded, he's the one that when this whole thing with Jesus comes up, he's like, look, if this is of God and you go against it, it's you're going to end up finding yourself fighting God. Right. If it's not of God, like all the other false prophets and everything that have come through, it's going to run itself out and it's mm-hmm. going to become nothing. Mm-hmm. So why get involved? Then you have Saul, who's a student of Gamaliel. Who goes and and says, No, I'm gonna persecute those Christians. I'm gonna go out and chase them down. So he's not like his master, which is very unusual for a a student to not be like his master. It's very unusual, first of all. But second of all, he goes off on this mission and and Paul, Saul, who would become Paul, believes he's doing the right thing. He believes that what he's actually doing is protecting the truth and protecting the relationship or the, the integrity of God's reputation. And so he goes off on this journey, and it's, it's on his way to Damascus when he's going to go and persecute other Christians and, and possibly kill them. God knocks him off his horse. Jesus appears and says, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, who are you, Lord? Because there's something that Saul recognizes in that moment that this is not, this is not the, the false gods of the Romans— this is, there's only one who can communicate like this. There's only one who would show up in a burst of light and knock me off my horse. This has to be God. Why, what, and and so he's asking what, you know, who are you? Because he wants to know, and I, I'm not going to speak to Paul's, to Saul's motive, uh, but I think he wanted to know th- who's speaking to me, like affirm, affirm this. Am I on the right track? And it's interesting that, that God turns that moment for him. And, and takes and says, you know, your zeal is awesome. I mean, it's, these are, this is not recorded in scripture, but I think the intention is you see God's relationship with, with Paul later. His zeal was awesome, but his direction was wrong. Right. And so he's unintentionally working against God's design. God knocks him off his horse and and gets him back on track and, and even says to him later, you're going to see how much you're going to suffer uh, for me. Uh, or he says that to the other believers who are going to, to, I think it was Cornelius, when he says, you know, go and pray for him and the scales fall off your sure, eyes. Right. You know, um, you know, but he says, you know, Paul has yet to see how much he's going to suffer. Um, I share all that to basically say, look, on the question of sin and on the question of suffering, to your point, this but, this push to say I'm going to persistently go in my own way, do my own thing, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. That is dramatically dangerous. That's going to bring consequences. It's going to diminish life. Uh, the, There's whether that willfulness is sins that don't immediately lead to death or not. That will diminish life. The unintentional sins, you know, because because I can see people getting like in their head about this and be like, oh no, I you know I might have sinned and maybe I lost my salvation or maybe you know maybe I have offended God somehow. I, I think Saul stands as a reminder that that God knows what we're doing. He knows our hearts. He knows our intentions. He knows our mind. And if we are Passionately going down a path that we think we're doing the right thing, and it's not. Mm -hmm. He's gracious and loving enough to step in and go, Okay, pause, time (laughs) out, knock it off. Let's hit the reset button.
0: Yeah, you you have three kids, and I'm sure there's those times that your kids do something stupid.
1: Never. Uh, Never. 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 Okay,
0: all right. Uh, We'll (laughs) close in prayer. (laughs) No, but no, (laughs) it's me
1: who does something stupid and they call me on it.
0: Well, or you do something, (laughs) you know, I mean, I'm using this as as an example for everybody, everybody, but you know, with your kids, they'll do something that, that maybe they shouldn't have done. And and you're not happy about that. But then after you sit and have a conversation with them about why this is wrong and everything, if then they choose to do it after that, now it's not that you're just even upset about what they did. Yep. You're actually more upset about that they don't value the relationship yep. that, that we have. And and, yep. and I think it's the same way with God in that is that if we keep intentionally and knowingly just using that but, 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 yep. but after yep. uh, we've been convicted. And, and uh, what made me think that to say all this was when you're saying about, you know, with, with Saul and, and being knocked off the horse and he wants to know, who is it that's speaking to me? You know, if God is speaking to you, you know, if God is convicting you that this is wrong. And if you keep persisting in that, even though he keeps speaking to you, yeah. then that is when it, it gets to a, a
1: dangerous uh, place for us. So. It's funny you bring that, you know, because I mean, just bringing up the kids, because there was something that has happened in the last. It didn't happen as. And we, by the way,
0: for uh, the three buck uh, kids, we owe you ice cream
1: cones. Because <laughs> talking about you without your permission. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but seriously, and I won't say which which child it was, but it was it was one of those moments where, as a parent. I was dealing with an issue like that, mm-hmm. and I was really wrestling with how do I, and I was not doing well in how to, so I'm just going to tell on myself, I was not doing well. I was actually approaching a place of, of, uh, of anger and frustration with it, and what I realized in the midst of, I, I asked this particular child a question, their answer It was a moment where almost God knocking me off the horse kind of moment, where their answer triggered in me a realization that I went, oh. And at that moment, I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. Um, and I knew that if I continued to go down the path, I was walking them down. I was actually going to be correcting them in the wrong way. Right. And it was such a huge moment. And it's, it's one that God is still like, I have lots to learn. And I have, because I am, I mean, you've known me long enough to know that I tend to be more of the authoritarian. Like, like, let's triage crisis, deal with it now. And then right. we unpack and we, we sort of... Unravel it later and say, okay, what worked, what didn't work, and we solution for the future. But it's it's the solve is now if it's a you know if it's an urgent thing. In this moment, it it dawned on me that uh, just a very simple concept: punishment would not bring about future obedience. Short term punishment might Mm -hmm. uh, get obedience for a little while, but long term obedience doesn't come because of punishment or the fear of punishment. That only lasts so long long-term obedience comes from relationship which goes all the way back to what we started this as you know that that suffering and sin this break of relationship and so it changed the conversation for the two of us Mm -hmm. and and actually changed the conversation for me with there was there was other things that happened in the weeks afterwards it changed my approach Mm -hmm. uh, with all of the kids and i'm still learning how to do that but the fruit of that has been recognizing that that's how god deals with us Mm -hmm. you know that his his the idea that if i sin i'm automatically going into hell i mean this this comes from a very this a mindset of i'm expecting punishment i'm expecting judgment and we we miss the heart of god in that will punishment or consequence come maybe right. consequence definitely punishment maybe but the only reason punishment would come is if god knows somehow that's the only thing that's going to get our attention mm-hmm. but right on the heels of that is going to be something to restore the relationship because he knows that our ability to walk with him and to walk apart from sin to be truly done with sin is going to be because of that relationship
0: yeah and let's actually uh, wrap up with with that thought and i'll say this god wants a relationship with you and the the way to restore that relationship is found only in jesus jesus lived that perfect and sinless life that you could never live and he died on the cross for the life that you are living and when it comes to sin and suffering I often illustrate it this way. Yes, there's suffering right here and right now on the earth. But to criticize God for that is to, like, criticize an author of a book for not tying all the loose ends up <laughs> after you only read chapter one. <laughs> God, in the end, is going to take care of all sin, sickness, disease, suffering. That's his plan. It's true. There is not going to be any more of that. But we're still living in chapter right one. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the meantime, we got to do some of the things that we talked about, that we embrace it, we consider it pure joy, that we learn from our experience, that we take what Satan has meant for evil and we turn it around and use it for good. And in the midst of the the suffering that we may be experiencing, we then see how it's changed us and, and transformed us, and then we give that same hope to other people that the suffering doesn't have to define you, that you don't have to live in that that Jesus has a better plan. And so that's why it is so important that not only you begin a relationship with Jesus, but that you share that same thing with
1: others. Can you close us in a uh, prayer here today? Absolutely. Thanks. Father, thank you again for another day to come together and to worship you. Um, we're so grateful, Lord. We are owed nothing. Uh, we're no, owed nothing from you. We, we The fact that we even exist is a gift. The fact that we even get to draw breath uh, is a gift. And so, Lord, uh, where we have forgotten that, Please help us to, to appreciate that, to love that, uh, and to love that about you. And uh, God, I know that's a dangerous prayer, um, but if we're willing to step into that prayer and trust you, I trust God that the other side of that is going to be a renewed sense of how good you are, how much you you not only are good, but you seek our good in everything. And uh, so, Lord, if we are in a place of rebellion right now, and we are, we are saying, I know, but uh, God, I, I pray that you would help us to to intentionally set that aside and say, "I know, and I want to try it your way." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Lord, I pray for those who are struggling right now and maybe feel like they don't have a choice. That they, they would lay that down. They would lay the, the the sense of a right to lay down and say, uh, having a right to do something, and lay that down and actually say, "You know, I don't have a right to. I I choose to trust you, God." Mm-hmm. Um, and see what you do with that. I'd love to see, God, what you do with the the willingness to just try being obedient to you. Because yes. uh, I know that's what you want as a father. For those of us, Lord, who are uh, maybe in a place where we're not saying, I know, but. We're very passionate in a direction. But we're going in the wrong direction. We're working against something you're trying to bring. God, I, I pray that maybe not as dramatic a moment as you did with Saul. Um, because I'm sure many of us don't want to be knocked off a horse and blinded. But at the same time, God, I pray that you would open our eyes. Uh, to the things we're not seeing, to the things we don't know and the parts of the plan that we're just missing, uh, whether that be through a conversation or a question or just a just a connection that we have with somebody, or maybe an interaction in your word where you you speak something out of your word that just cuts us to the heart and we go, oh my word, I've never seen that before. God, I pray you would do that for us, to open our eyes so we can join you in being able to, to walk that out and, and live out the design that you have for us. And God, for the places where um, others around us are committing sin uh, that we know is sin, I pray, Father, that perhaps the biggest corrective for those of us who call us ourselves Christ followers, the biggest corrective that we would not have a heart that just seeks judgment and correction and uh, consequence for those who are committing sin, but God, that we would adapt what First John says when we see people committing sins, that we would pray to you. Um, especially those sins that do not automatically lead to death. We pray to you for life and that, Lord, their life would not be diminished, but somehow you would break in and help them to see that you have you have a greater way, you have a greater life in store for them and for their design. God, anything we haven't said, uh, we trust, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will, will connect the dots on that. Anything we haven't answered, um, we pray that you would you would help answer in the hearts of those who are, are truly seeking and questioning on this. And uh, God, ultimately, that, the questions around sin, suffering, uh, even death, and and uh, and end times and all that, Lord, that, that this would be about a, a season where people think about their relationship with you, and seek in all things to have a healthy relationship and come to you honestly and speak to you honestly about what they're wrestling with, Because we know, Lord, and we have confidence in the fact that you will encourage, you will speak back to us through your word and maybe even directly if necessary, and let us know that you love us, you care for us, and you're there for you. You are there to lead us into the future of what you have planned for us. We thank you, God. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen.